Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on J-Root Radio. We are broadcasting live today. Today, May... I forget the date already. Okay, let's go back to the Halakha Hour here on J-Root Radio. We'll give you the phone numbers, 718-683-5858. The text number is 347-927-8398. been mentioning that this class by Zat Hashem will be very different. Today's class is... Um, a little bit different from the usual classes. The difference will be in a few areas. Number one is, it's usually a Benish High class, but today's class is not going to be on the Benish High. And it's not on the Benish High. We usually talk about the season, the halachot of the season. We've been talking about the halachot of the Omer, of even Kemah Yashan, because that's all connected also to the Omer. But today's class is not going to be not on the Benish High. And it's not exactly connected to the season that we're in either. I mean, you could always connect everything to Shavuot because Shavuot is a holiday of Torah and everything that we learn is Torah, but it's not doesn't have direct contact. Also, the class will be a little bit different in the style um, where we usually speak about a subject and we go into different, you know, halachot of that subject. Here, we're only going to be focusing on one point, one question, and we're going to focus specifically only on this one question. Also, it's different is that we ask for feedback. I'm asking today that anybody who is listening to this, whether you're listening to this right now or you're listening to this in the evening, which is also right now for you. So we ask for a little bit of feedback. The phone number is 347-927-8398 for text. You could call in only in the afternoon at the end of the show to 718-683-5858. I want to hear a little bit of feedback, what you think, you know, how the class was. Was it clear? Was it, um, you know... Did we hit the point? Did we make sense of it or not? And if you can't reach us there, you could always reach us by email, halakhahour at gmail.com. Again, halakhahour at gmail.com. Also today's class, now usually this class, the, the halakha hour, has its challenges like everything else in the life and everything also on the radio. You can't satisfy everybody because we have a, Baruch Hashem a whole broad uh, you know, different, completely, very, very different uh, types of listeners. We have men, we have women, we have children, we have adults, we have Sfaradim, Ashkenazim, Hasidim, and uh, Timanim, I believe, also listen to us. Baruch Hashem. So everybody listens, and especially in Halakha. Now, if we're talking Musar, Torah is universal, the Musar of the Torah, the lessons of the Torah are universal. But when it comes to Halakha, it has its challenges that who we you know, speaking to. Some halachot pertain more to ladies and to men, and some halachot pertain more to Ashkenazi and Sfaradim. We try very much when we prepare the halakha hour that it should be something something that everybody can come out with it. Today's class is not exactly that way. I hope, I really hope that it is clear, it is some Torah, um, but it's a little bit geared more geared a little bit more towards men today's guy to be honest a little bit more towards men ladies you shouldn't shut it off um i even asked my wife to listen to this I, you know i think it'll be also beneficial in what we learn but it is a little bit more towards men now the before we get to the actual class i just want to tell you that the upcoming classes the schedule will resume next week wednesday we'll have the halakha hour it's going to be the last Halakha hour before the holiday of Shavuot. And Barzat Hashem, we hope then to discuss the halakhot pertaining to the actual Yom Tov, Simchat Hag, and other stuff that are pertaining to the holiday of Shavuot. Also, in two weeks, that means a week after Shavuot, 
there will be no halacha hour because you'll be in shul, hopefully, or you'll be at home eating your sauda. It'll be already shavuot. So therefore, there's no class obviously then, and don't try to put on uh, J root. It's, you're not going to find it anyway. The after after the two weeks after shavuot, bezat Hashem, we'll come back to our regular schedule from the benish high and bezat Hashem There, hopefully, we'll continue what we picked up from before. Purim, I know it's been a long time, before Purim, which is continuing in the Sefer Ben Ishai in Halachot of Shabbat, Parashat Shemot, over there, the Halachot of Boneh, Bazat Hashem, we'll get to them then. So let's get to today's subject. What are we talking about today? So let me read you over here what I titled the today's class, Mitzvot for Personal Benefits. This is the title of today's class. This is the subject of today's class. The idea began with the following question. Could a person go into a profession which is a mitzvah, but he's doing it for the sake of making money? I'll give you an example. It might not fit the question 100%, but it's pretty much, we're in, you know, it's around that question. At least it's good enough to begin the discussion. You have a person, let's say he's an avrech, he was working, he's been learning for the last 10, 15 years, and now... He built, you know, he has a lot of expenses now. Baruch Hashem, the family is growing, expenses are coming, and now he decides that he needs to go out and find some sort of panasa. Now he has a few options in front of him. The question is, could he now do any of the following things in order to make money? For example, could he become a mohel? He says, you know, in this city that I live in, so many Jewish people, and, you know, if I become a mohel, I could, you know, become a mohel and I could charge certain money or people will give me a certain amount of money. But he's becoming a mohel, which is a mitzvah to circumcise, of course. But he's doing it in order to make money. Another example, could he choose to become a rabbi because the salary is very good? You know, it's, it's good money. Could he open up a shul? Could he start a kolel where he will become the rav? or the rosh kolel, where he's going to obviously take a salary from it, and that's his means of parnasah. If you become, till now he's a regular avrech, his, uh, the, the income wasn't as good. If he becomes a rosh kolel, then he has, you know, he could charge different things. Could he open up a chesed organization where he's going to be paid a certain amount of salary for raising the money? Of course, he's going to distribute the money to the people who are needy or whatever he's collecting it for, but he's doing it in order to make money. Could he create a service, a I guess a religious service, we could say, in order to have a salary? Now you're going to tell me what's the problem he's doing in Mitzvah, you know, what's the difference? So I'll tell you. There are two issues that we want to tackle today, and these are the two issues. We're only focused on these issues. But I know that there's other things that could be discussed. We want to focus on these two issues. Number one is, is this considered, if he decides to do this profession, whatever it is, in order to make money. Is this called a mitzvah? Or is it the same thing as, you know, might as well go and get a regular job out, you know, obviously in a kosher environment, or maybe just go get a regular job somewhere else. And it's the same thing. There's no difference between him, let's say, becoming a salesman, or between him making, becoming a mohel. Either way, he's doing it for, you know, for making money. So what's, is there a difference? Should he try to go into a more spiritual type of job or really makes no difference. At the end of the day, you're doing it just to get money. That is point number one we want to discuss. Point number two that we want to discuss is, is it mutar to do such a thing? Is it permitted to do such a thing? Is this, we find in Hazal, the terminology called shalol I am not going to translate. 
I'm sorry for those who don't you know understand what I'm saying. I don't want to translate because it will. I, I don't want to confuse anybody when we get to it. We have to obviously define what's lo lishma. Is this called lo lishma, which Hazal criticize and they and they speak very very harsh against someone who does mitzvot shel lo lishma? Would this fall under the category of shel lo lishma that a person, although it might be considered a mitzvah, but it might be a mitzvah shel lo lishma, and therefore he is not allowed to take such. Of course. Now, it's such a action mean to say to become, let's say, a mohel, to open up a kolel just to make money. Now, I want to stress a few points over here before we actually get to the class. Number one is that we all may have a personal opinion. Anybody who's listening to this may just say, you know, I think and yeah, it's fine. I don't think it's good. We could all have our opinions, and I personally had my own opinion before, you know, going into it and looking at the sources, but we have to know that in anything in life, we must look to the Torah, we must look at how Hazal defined the first, we must look at the poskim and the gedoleh hador of how they explain and how they define everything in life, and that's the, gotta be our view. It's not like, oh, Hazal, you know, just we don't, you know, just like we, we, you know, we can't have an opinion when it comes to the Torah, right? Just like we can't say, oh, the pasuk says in Parashat Vayikra this way, or Parashat Kedoshim, it says this, but I personally hold differently. Uh, that's ridiculous, right? In the wrong religion, if you're doing that. Same thing, obviously, you can't say, oh, the Gemara says like this, but I personally don't agree with it. I hold differently. That's also ridiculous, Rabotai. It's the same thing when Gedolim tell us something. And we also come and say, but I think differently. You, you want to have your own opinion, no problem, write a book and see who wants to follow you. But when it comes to the, uh, you know, things, you know, you, would you decide, would you say, you know, this animal, I think it's kosher. You know, I know Shohan Aruch says not. I know the Ramah says not. I know all the Rishonim hold it's not kosher. It's not, doesn't even qualify for even minimal of kosher. But I think it's kosher. What's the big deal? That's ridiculous, right? We do hear people say that, and we look at them, ridiculous. And those kind of people are not listening to this class, right? I know. So, obviously, we don't do that, but when it comes to halachot, and also the same thing when it comes to this, this is also a halakha question. This is a guess why, yes, we shall him discuss it, as we'll see. This is all brought down. So, therefore, we got to take our personal opinion, put it on the side, see what's brought down in Hazal, see what's brought down in the Rishonim and in the Ahronim, and then afterwards, we could decide if we want to have our personal opinion or not, or maybe that will become our personal opinion, which is the objective, right? To see how Hazal and how the Gedoleh Hador looked at the subject and to see it from their point of view. This is point number one I want to point out. Point number two is, mentioned a little bit beforehand, there's a lot of different variations to this question. There's a lot of different uh, approaches that we could take this. I'm only focusing on these two. I don't want to get into a whole different, there's a, there's a whole different array of different questions that could come out of this, and it could really take much longer. I don't even know, honestly, I don't even know if I could finish the, the things I have prepared over here in one day. I'm trying to, I, and I'm trying to do it in a way that's clear that I don't just, you know, dish out the information without, you know, the, the audience understanding. So I hope that Bezat Hashem will be able to clarify it in the time that we have today, because really next week we got to get back to Alachot of the holiday. So, um, we're only going to focus again on these two points, which is, is this considered a mitzvah if I'm, going to, if I'm going to a job where it's a mitzvah, but I'm doing it to get money? And number two is, am I permitted to do such a thing, or is this what Hazak criticized by calling it Shalolishmah?
Now, one more disclaimer, and that is on the mashad I gave beforehand. I mentioned a guy who was in Kolelu and stepping out. This is a question that came up, and that's why I'm using this as an example. Rabotai, the issue of a person who's learning in Kolel, if he should step out of Kolel and go to work, is not my issue at all. It is not my discussion at all. I don't fall into a category of giving an opinion on this. This question is a very, very heavy, heavily weighted question. The decision to step out of Kolel and to go into the world of Parnassah, no matter what job you want to do, even to become a rabbi or anything else, that's a question that's got to be discussed with each person. Each person has to decide that with his Rav. And he has to decide what's right. Him and his wife have to, have to come to the Rav and see what course of action they should take. Nobody should get any um, remez or from, this, from this class. That is not my intention at all. And it's, I tell you, if you got it, it's all, you, you misunderstood me. Our class is focusing, again, on a person who's already stepping out. He's already told you could step out of Kolel and go ahead and go find a means of Parnassah. And now the question is, is this called uh, a mitzvah, what I'm doing? Or uh, or it's maybe a regular, I might as well get a regular job. Now, on this point of, of a life in Kolel, I just want to mention something else also. Now we're on it. Um, you know, a lot of times the question is raised. I get Bahurim that getting married, and the question is, Rabbi, should I go into Kolel or should I not go into Kolel? You know, I can really learn different time. You know, a lot of people who are not in Kolel, have never been in Kolel, have never lived in Kolel, whether it's a man or woman, don't understand what a Kolel life is. You know, they think that life in Kolel is just about learning Torah. Yes. You are learning more than have you that if you are working, and in, in fact, there might be some guys who are really unbelievable and they have a lot of time at work, and they 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 find you know they open up a book here and there and they're able to learn and they're able or they're very smart and they could, they could cover much more uh, amount of Torah in the short amount of time that they have to learn than a guy who's sitting and learning all day. But I was trying to point out the people that. It's not just about learning more hours. It's not about, oh, you, I'm going to classes and now I'm in Kolel. I'm also learning. I just don't go to classes. I have Hebruta and sometimes, and I go to Shiro. That's not the shot of living a life in Kolel. Life in Kolel, it's the lifestyle. A person who chooses to go into a Kolel, it's not just I'm learning more. You're choosing a different lifestyle. You're part of a larger community of B'nai Torah throughout the whole world. You're committed to always grow. You and your wife are in a, in a, in a, not just you're learning more and it happens to be you're married. No, you're, in a, you're a couple that has decided as a family that we are bin aliyah. We want to grow. We want to become every little point we want to become. Does that mean the guy was not Kolel could not grow? No, of course you could grow. But this is the commitment that you're taking upon yourself. You are now, it depends on which communities you live, you're now also being viewed as a ben Torah. You have also different responsibilities in how you live your life and how you behave as well also. Your your, even simple decisions are usually decided only dafka with da'at Torah. And of course, the modesty life, the hopefully the modest lifestyle of a kolel, even if you could afford it, is completely different. So it's a whole different lifestyle. It's not just about learning more. But that's, anyway, that's a musar kind of uh, discussion, not for our discussion. Let's get back to our questions. We're focusing on two points about that. We're focusing on the question, is this considered a mitzvah? And question number two is, even if it's considered a mitzvah, is, is this something that we're supposed to do or we're not supposed to do? Let's go point number one. Now, if this is considered a mitzvah or not, we have to go through the rules of what defines a mitzvah. So we have a rule. The rule is like this: Haosek b'mitzvah, patur mitzvah. 
What this rule teaches us is that if a person is osik, is involved in the mitzvah, he, he's exempt in the mitzvah. So if I want to know if what I'm doing is a mitzvah or not, I have to see, am I called osik by mitzvah or not? Right? So if you're playing with your fidget spinner or you're texting, you're obviously not osik by mitzvah. So then in that case, since you're not osik by mitzvah, even though you're osik in something else, but you don't have the rule of patum and mitzvah. So therefore, if you want to know if something is a mitzvah or not, we have to see, would he fall under the category of osik bin mitzvah or not? So we're going to go into a little bit of the discussion of osik bin mitzvah, patum mitzvah, of this rule. A person who's involved in mitzvah is patum and mitzvah. Let's begin with the source of this rule. And this is uh, good information to have in general. So let's begin with the Mishnah in Masechet Sukkah Davchafhe Amud Aleph. There the Mishnah, when this, in the, you know, obviously, guess what Masechet Sukkah is talking about? You got it. That's right. The laws of Lulav and the Torah, right? and also the holiday of Sukkot. So obviously we have a mitzvah that we have to live in the Sukkah, which means to eat in the Sukkah and to sleep in the Sukkah. So the Mishnah, the, excuse me, the Gemara in the second Perek, the Gemara in the second period of Masechet Sukkah deals with this point of the how, who's the responsible and how you fulfill the Mizvah of actually living in the Sukkah. So there the Mishnah discusses the people who are exempt from sitting in the Sukkah. People could sleep even outside the Sukkah during the holiday of Sukkot. And then the Mishnah says the following, People who are messengers of a mitzvah are exempt from the sukkah. What shiluhim mitzvah? The two examples are given are people who are on their mission to do the mitzvah of pidyon shebuyim. Pidyon shebuyim means when a Jewish person is being taken captive by non Jews and he could be in danger. And it's very, very likely to be in danger. So therefore, we send people who are trying, going to try to get him out, either smuggle him out or to bribe his way out of it. Either way, it doesn't make a difference. When a Jew is being held in captivity by non-Jews and we're taking him out, there's a mitzvah called Pidyon Shebuyim, saving another Jewish person's life. So now, the people who are sent on this mission, they're called Shalohim Mitzvah. And being that they're Shalohim Mitzvah, Hazal tells us that they are exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah, because they're in the middle of a one mitzvah, and we come back to the rule, or seg ben mitzvah, since they're involved in the mitzvah, they're patur from the mitzvah. Comes the Gemara and says on the Mishnah, where'd you get this from? Minahani mili. Where do you know this from? I mean, it's beautiful words in Mishnah, Rabbi Wudan Nasi, Al-Razi, very good, but I want to know, where is the source of this rule? That a person who is involved in a mitzvah is exempt from another mitzvah. Says the Gemara, it's a pasuk. We read it in Shema every day. What does the pasuk say? There the Torah tells us, I want these words, which is the words of the Torah, should be on your hearts, and should speak with them. When? The Torah is commanding me, I should always be involved in speaking in Torah. When? When you're sitting in your house and when you're traveling on the road. Interesting example, right? The Torah gives us when you're sitting in your house and when you're traveling on the road. Says the Gemara from these two terminologies, these two statements in the Torah, when you're sitting in your house and when you're going in the road, we learn from here that a person who is involved in his own ways, we mean to say he's sitting in his own house or he's traveling on the road, where he's doing something known as the Barashot, when he's doing something that the Torah doesn't command him, he's doing his own things, he's 
walking because he's going for a stroll there the Torah obligates you to do a mitzvah or when you're doing your own things there the Torah obligates you to do a mitzvah that's when you have an obligation with the Batabam, which is the Torah but it's really referring to all the mitzvah the Torah but if a person is already involved in something else then he that means he's already involved in the mitzvah where it's not my lechtecha for example the Gemara says the Torah could have said but when it says for those who understand Hebrew better, they'll appreciate this. When you go on your own road, here the Torah, here the Gemara makes the the yuk, the emphasis that the Torah is trying to tell us that if you're involved in your own things, then you have an obligation to do mitzvah. But if you're already involved in a mitzvah, then you're exempt from fulfilling the other mitzvah. This is the source from the Gemara in Masechet Sukkah about how a segment mitzvah, patum mitzvah. Now we need to clarify this point a little bit. So the first thing is we want to tell you is that the Mefarshim, the commentaries on the Gemara and the Poskim as well, all of them discuss a difference between two different things that people confuse. There's something called Osek b'mitzvah which is what the Gemara says, Ha'osek b'mitzvah, patu mitzvah. Ha'osek means a person who's involved in the mitzvah. And there's somebody who's mekayim in mitzvah, person who is fulfilling a mitzvah. What's the difference between the two? The poskim point out that the exemption from having to fulfill another mitzvah, that means if I'm already involved in the mitzvah, I don't have to do another mitzvah, that's only on the person who's osek b'mitzvah. A person who's involved in mitzvah, not a person who's making mitzvah. Let's give you an example. The mitzvah of tefillin for men. Or the mitzvah of a person who is watching over a lost item. We'll begin first with the mitzvah of tefillin. All the men know, right? Tefillin doesn't just, you know, you don't look at tefillin and it jumps on you. You take the tefillin, you put it on your arm and you wrap it around your hand. Your, in your, your arm and you put it on your head. As long as you're putting on the tefillin, you're called osik ba mitzvah. Not because of interruption of the Berakha. Now, put down on the side. I'm talking about Oseg Mitzvah itself. We are considered Oseg Mitzvah when you're actually wrapping the tefillin on your arm or you're putting it on your head. But once the tefillin is already on you, and now you're walking around with the tefillin the whole day, you're not doing anything else, but you are wearing mitzvah, the tefillin, you're called a person who's Mekayim Mitzvah. You're, you're doing the mitzvah. The, now, a person who's Mekayim Mitzvah is not exempt from doing other mitzvot, the halakha says, only a person who's osik be mitzvah. That means, as you're wrapping your tefillin, there you're involved in it. So at that point, if somebody comes to you and asks you for tzedakah, or asks you for something, you know, something, he, he tries to get you to do another mitzvah, you're patur. You don't even have to feel guilty. You're in the middle of a mitzvah. Same thing would be, for example, a person who finds a lost item. We know there's a mitzvah that if you find a lost item, of a Jew that is, if you find a lost item of a Jew, you're supposed to find the, the what's it called, the owner. Now, not only find the owner, you're supposed to also, when you have the lost item, it's in your care, you're supposed to do certain things. Depends on what you found, you're supposed to do certain things to take care of the lost item until the owner comes. So when you're basically picking up the item and you're taking it into your house to watch it so you found the lost item says on it i am a jew and this is my i don't know this is my suitcase fine so that's a little bit of a heavy suitcase so as you pick up the suitcase and you are putting in your house to find the the person who you know who this uh, briefcase or the suitcase belongs to at that point 
you're exempt from mitzvot. If somebody comes to you in the middle and says, tzedakah, tzedakah, you're, you're exempt. You're in the middle of being involved. You're all sick of a mitzvah. But once now you put the suitcase in your closet, you lock the door, and it's already being protected over there. So in that point, you can, although you are doing a mitzvah, you make a mitzvah because it's still in your house. You're, you know, you're not charging the guy for storage, right? But still... That doesn't exempt you from other mitzvot. You're only called a mekayim mitzvah. So let's review. Oseg ben mitzvah is patu from mitzvah. That's only if you're actually involved. But mekayim mitzvah. But if you're already doing the mitzvah and you're not actually oseg, that's not where we say oseg ben mitzvah patu mitzvah. Now there's a whole big discussion in the Rishonim. There's actually a big mahlok in the Rishonim between the Tosafot and the Rosh versus the Ran. If when this rule of Oseg Mezvah, Patur Mezvah applies, does that mean I'm completely Patur or not Patur? There's a whole discussion, really. There's a lot to discuss on this point. Again, we're not going that direction. And whoever wants to, could, we'll give you references. You could call us or email us at halkaawar at gmail.com and we'll give you some references of where to look and uh, some sources. Now, on that page, back to the Gemara. The Gemara tells us that Shiluhim Mezvah, are patu from the sukkah. Why are the people who are going on the mission to save another Jew, which are people going to do the mitzvah of Pidyon Shabim, why are they exempt from the mitzvah of sukkah? The rule the Gemara gives is because Oseg be mitzvah, patu be mitzvah. So now over there the Gemara lists a few other examples of the same rule, of Oseg be mitzvah, patu be mitzvah. I want to focus on one of these examples that is also brought down in the Halakha Shohan Aruch. There's a the halakha also by sukkah is also in Shohan Aruch. There's a lot of these halakha in Shohan Aruch. But I want to focus only on one. And from that one, we're going to have, uh, basically, we're going to be able to relate it to our original question. There the Gemara says the following words. Kotbe sefarim, tefilim umzuzot. The people who write Sefer Torah, basically what we would call today a sofer. A sofer who writes the Sefer Torah, uh, he writes tefilin, he writes mezuzot. Hen, the writers, vetagarehen, tagarehen is those who speak Arabic is like tajar, which means the basically the salesmen. Vetagaretagarehen, those are the middle people, I guess the distributors, the people who buy from the salesmen and who go and distribute to others, who sell to others. Vechol haosek b'melechet shamayim, and whoever is also involved b'melechet shamayim, the Gemara says over there. Peturin mikol ha-mezvot ha-amurot ba-Torah. They're exempt from all the mezvot that are said in the Torah. Lekayem debrer b'yosi. In order to go, which, which goes with the word, with the opinion of Rabbi Yosei. Shaya Rabbi Yosei Omer. Ha-osek b'mezvah patur b'mezvah. Rabbi Yosei used to say, one who is involved in mezvah is patur b'mezvah. This is what the Gemara brings down. Rashi explains. Now, I understand the people are writing Seferim, Teflim, Mezuzot. I understand the people are writing the Sefer Torah. The people are writing the Teflim and the Mezuzot. But the Tagarehen, what are these Tagarehen? Says Rashi. You know what Tagarehen means? He defines what Tagarehen, who are exempt from the Mezuzot. Listen to the words of Rashi because these words with Rashi is really what everybody work, you know, builds on. Rashi says the following. The people who, te- who purchase tefillin from the sofrim in order to sell them and to provide them, to make them available for whoever needs a tefillin. This is what the tagerehen are. So from Rashi's words, it comes out that, he, that the Gemara is telling us that there's a whole group of people, there's a whole uh, team over here that's 
considered osik b'mitzvah, that's going to be exempt from the mitzvah. It's not only the people who are writing the tefillin and the mezuzot and the sefer Torah, but it's also the people who are buying from the sofrim in order to sell to others. They're also considered osik b'mitzvah, and therefore, if they're osik b'mitzvah, they're patu from mitzvah. Even though the buyers, I mean to say the ones who are the tagarin, the ones who are going to sell the tefillin, are not, you know, I would say, you know, they're just doing business, right? Now this halakha, almost word for word, is brought down in Shulchan Aruch, Siman Lamed Het, Halakha Het. Look it up over there. Kim'at, it's almost the same words. I'm just going to read the word Shulchan Aruch to show you that it's the same words. I'm not going to bother translating. We already translated. Kotbe Tefillin Umzuzot. That's a different discussion why back then when they used to wear tefillin all day. So he's telling you, since these people are writing tefillin or they're the ones who are buying and selling tefillin, they're patur for putting on tefillin all day. Nowadays it doesn't make a difference because anyway we don't put on tefillin the whole day. And we, we put on during tefillah, but it's an interesting halakha, no? That even the people who are buying and selling the tefillin are also considered osik b'mitzvah. Now, the Magen Abraham comes. Magen Abraham, for those who are not familiar, he is one of the main commentaries on the Shohan Aruch and Ora Hayim. And Magen Abraham says over there the following. He quotes Rashi that we just told you before. He says, when you read Rashi, look what he says. He says, Tagarehen are the people who are buying from the Sofrim. Why are they buying it from the Sofrim? In order to, to sell it, to be able to provide it for people that need Tefillin. So says the Magen Abraham, from the words of Rashi, it sounds like if their intention is to Hamtsi'an, which means to make it available for people to wear, then they're called Osek Mitzvah. But if their intention is but if their intention is to make money, they know it's a big, great business. The Sofrim are writing Tevilin, I'll buy it from him for $1,000, and then I'll go sell it for $1,500. That's great. If I get, you know, three Bar Mitzvah boys in one week, that's $1,500 a week. It's a great business. So now, if they're doing it just to profit, if they're doing it to profit, says the Magen Abraham, if they're doing it just for profiting, that's not called Osek Mitzvah. But if they're not doing it just to profit, if they're doing it in order to be able to provide it for people, even though they profit from it, it is considered Osek Mitzvah. I'm going to repeat this. In the words of the Mishnah Berurah, who says it in a clearer way, I'm going to read you the words of the Mishnah Berurah on the same siman, Ot Chav Dalet, so it'll be a little bit clearer. Nobody should misunderstand. The Mishnah Berurah says that when do we say the Tagarim, who are not writing this, the Mezuzot, they're not putting on the Mezuzot, they're not, they're just selling, they're buying and selling, they're the middlemen. When do we say they're considered Osek ben Mitzvah, that they should be patur from the Mitzvah? Says the Mishnah Berurah, and I quote, Vidafka im ikar kavanatam That's only if their main intention is in order to provide it, to sell it to the people who need it. But if their main intention of buying and selling tefillin is only to make profit, they're not called Osek bin Mitzvah. 
This is the opinion of Magen Abraham, which Mishnah Barab brings the halakha. That the, your main intention has to be in order to make money. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Your main intention has to be in order to be able to provide for them, even though you're allowed to profit from it. That's not a problem. You're allowed to profit from it. And not only that, you're allowed to profit from it, but you're considered osik the mitzvah. That if a mitzvah comes up, you're patur from the mitzvah. Does everybody agree with the Magen Abraham? Everybody agree with the Mishnah Barad? No. There is in the opinion of the Kitab Sofer. The Kitab Sofer is the son of the Hatam Sofer. The Hatam Sofer, we know, is a Hatam Sofer, the Gedolei Hador, the Gedolei Hador in Hungary. And his son, the Kitab Sofer, in his shoot, Kitab Sofer in Ora Hayim, Siman Kofiutet. Over there he writes that he has a whole long Teshubah, but basically he argues on the Magen Avraham that because the Magen Avraham says that even though you're profiting from it, it's still called Osek Mitzvah. So comes the Kitab Sofer and says, no, I'm sorry. That's not called Osek Mitzvah, Patum Mitzvah. If you're making money from it, no. When the Maran Shohan Aruch is taking, telling you, he's telling you like Rashi's saying, that you're buying a scientific to provide it for people. But if you're doing it also to make money, then you're not going to be exempt from a Mitzvah. You're going to be Hayyam Mitzvah. Oh, but the Mishnah says, excuse me, the Gemara says, says No, that's talking about when the person is not doing it to make money. He's doing it or to provide for other people. But if you're doing it for, also for making money, that's, no, no, it doesn't work. You got to have it completely. Your intention has to be purely just to be able to provide for them. Now, if there's money that comes with it, fine, but that's got to be your kavanah. We go by your intention. Your intention has to be purely just to be able to provide it for the people and not to make money. That is the opinion of the Kitab Sofer. However, he does agree that it is still called a mitzvah. That means, although you're not going to be patur from a mitzvah, if you're buying it with dual kavana to make money and to what's it called? If you, excuse me, if your main kavana is to... To, to sell, but you're getting money from it. Although you're not going to be patur from mitzvah, but still called a mitzvah, you're just not going to be in the category of oseg mitzvah, patur mitzvah. So we have basically a mahloke between the Magen Abraham and the Kitab Sofer. The Magen Abraham says that if your main intention is to be able to provide it for people, even though you're going to make money from it, that's still called oseg mitzvah. Where the Kitab Sofer says, no, that's not called oseg mitzvah, patur mitzvah. But they both agree that it's still called doing a mitzvah. And the Mishnah Barah goes with him again, Abraham, and says that if if your main intention is to provide it for people, then it's called oseg mitzvah, and therefore you're also going to be patur from mitzvah. Now we want to clarify two more points which the Bi'ur Halakha brings out before we come back to summarize and to basically answer the first part of our question. Question number one is like this. We said if your main kavana is to really provide for them, even though it's also to make money, that's fine. What about if my kavana is equal? That means I'm going into the business of selling tefillin to make money and also to provide it for other people. I'm not just there to make money. I'm there to make money and also to provide for other people. From the Magen Abraham, all it sounds like, it's like only if your main kavanah is to provide for other people. And listen, you got to get paid for it, so you get paid for it. But if my kavanah is also to make money, it's good business. And I, I, listen, I love giving 
tefillin to people. I love that people should wear tefillin and let me now do it in order to make money also out of it. It's good business also to go into. So there the Be'ur Halakha says, Ali, kavanato If you have dual kavanot, yes, you have intention to also make money, but you also want that people should be able to wear it. And it's equal. Kavanot are equal. You're called Oseg This is the opinion of the Bi'ur Halakha. Another point we want to bring out, and that is, the Bi'ur Halakha says, our whole discussion over here, if you call called Oseg or not, is only regarding the person who is selling, buying and selling the tefillin. But the people who are writing the mezuzot, the sofrim, basically what we would call the sofrim, the people who are writing the mezuzot and the tefillin, they're considered osek mezuzah. They're actually writing. There's a difference. The, the, the whole discussion is only the guy who's buying is not actually doing the mezuzah. He's just providing it for people. Not so the people who are actually writing the, the, the tefillin and mezuzot. On this point, there is Chuvod uh, There's another book from... And I published them from our days. And he brings in Helek Gimel Tedvav. He says that he disagrees, with all due respect, obviously. He disagrees with the Biru Halakha on the second point. He says the mitzvah of having tefillin is not to write tefillin. The mitzvah of having tefillin is to put on tefillin. The mitzvah of having a mezuzah is to put it on your doorpost, not to write. So once you tell me that the guy who's Providing the tefillin, the guy who's buying and selling tefillin, the tagarim are not considered because their kavanah is whatever it is. So why is it any different from the guy who's writing the tefillin? There should be no difference. They're both not doing a mitzvah. They're both only a hechsher mitzvah. They're only setting it up for a mitzvah. So therefore, he disagrees with this haluk, with this difference that the Bira Halakha makes. The Bira Halakha says there's a difference between the guy who's selling tefillin and the guy who's writing tefillin. According to Shabbat and they're both the same. Whatever you're going to say here, you have to say here. If you say the guy who's providing the, the tefillin is doing a mitzvah, so then the guy who's writing is doing a mitzvah also. But if you say that the guy who's providing the tefillin is not doing a mitzvah, so the guy who's writing also is not doing a mitzvah. The mitzvah is the actual guy who's putting on the tefillin. This is a side point. Now, I want to summarize. Let's summarize now the different levels, basically, of what's called Oseg mitzvah and Patum mitzvah. Basically, from what we said, we could summarize and we could bring down there's five levels over here. There's a person who's Oseg ben mitzvah, the person who's actually involved in the middle of doing a mitzvah. He's doing what the Torah is telling him to do, he's in the middle of doing a mitzvah. Number two, there's a person who's Mikayim the mitzvah, where he's not actually involved in the mitzvah, but he's in the middle of keeping, the, but the mitzvah is already there, like a person who's Shomer Shabbat, right? You're not called Oseg ben mitzvah, you're just Mikayim the mitzvah of Shabbat, you're not doing any melachot, but you're not called Oseg ben mitzvah. Oseg ben mitzvah will be, let's say, a person who's in the middle of making kiddush. Next, there's also the third level is that when a person is doing something, like in our case of Tagarin, where his intention is, the karkavana is for mitzvah, but he's also going to make money from it also. That's another level. He's doing a mitzvah. His main intention is for the mitzvah, but he also wants to make money as well on the side. That is a mahaloka between Magen Abraham and the Ketab Sofer. According to Magen Abraham, he's called Oseg mitzvah, Patur mitzvah. According to the Ketab Sofer, it is called that he's doing a mitzvah, but he's not called Oseg mitzvah that is going to exempt him from doing a mitzvah. So Hayab, he has to drop. If a mitzvah comes up, he has to drop it and do that mitzvah because that takes precedence over his mitzvah that he's doing right now. And then we have the case of a person who has 
dual kavanot. It's equal. That we saw the Biru Halakha, who's going with him again, Abraham, and says that when you have dual kavana, I want to do the mitzvah, and I also want to make money. It's, it's it both equal to me. I want to make money, and also I want to do it also because people are doing the mitzvah. That according to the Biru Halakha, you're called Osek ben mitzvah. And if your kavana is only for making money, so then depends what it is. If you're actually doing a real mitzvah, like let's say you're a mohel, you're actually doing a mitzvah, you're, you're circumcising the kid, or let's say you're, uh, you're a rabbi, you're teaching Torah, but your main intention is to make money. So over there, according to the Bur Halakha, that's still called Oseg ben mitzvah, where the Chubot Venagot holds, no, that's not really, there's no difference. If you hold that, if your main intention is to make money, is not called Oseg ben mitzvah, so it makes no difference, even when, no matter what on the mitzvah that you do, you look in the Chubot Hanakot over there. But we're going to go with the approach of the Bur Halakha, which is more accepted, it's more uh, followed by Klal Yisrael. So we're going to say that based on the Bur Halakha, a person is actually, what he's doing, even though he's making kavanahs for money, it's called, he's called Oseg Ben Mitzvah. So now, after we mention these five levels, let's come back. And connect it to our case. Let's come back to our question. What was our question? Our question was, a person is sick, a person who is now going to choose a job to do. Is there a difference between a job he chooses? That means, will it be the same if he wants to make money? He wants to make, he needs to make money. Should it, would, it be, make, would it make a difference if he's a shoe salesman or if he's going to be a mohel to make money? Is it a difference if he's going to be a rabbi to make money or if he's going to go and sell jackets? And the answer is, of course, there's a difference. Even if you want to tell me his kavanah is only to make money, and that's he just wants to open up a shul so he becomes a rabbi to make money, right? It's still called a mitzvah. He's still involved in the mitzvah. That's if you're going on the lowest, lowest level. But really, I'm not saying there are exceptions. Of course, there are exceptions, but most people are not that way. Yes, they need to make panasa, and they had they not had the need for panasa, they would not have gone out and become rabbis, and they would not come out and um, done anything, you know, to get the panasa. They would not have opened the kol, they would not open a hasa organization. But you know what? A lot of times, Hashem puts us in situations where the, we need to go out for the panasa in order to bring out the, the gadlut, the Katska Rebbe. Give you a beautiful story, the Katska Rebbe. Used to learn all day. It was Gaon Olam. And he would, there was a rich guy who used to support him. He says, you sit and learn. You don't worry. I'll take care of all your needs. Sit and learn all day. So now, one, day, one time, the, the person who was supporting him went bankrupt. He just couldn't provide for him anymore. He came to the Katskarebi, apologizing, feeling very, very bad. I'm sorry. But listen, I, 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 don't, you know, I don't have anything to, to, to do. I, 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 I don't have money for myself. I can't, for sure, I can't support you. I feel so bad. So like, no, don't worry about it. Looks like Hashem wants me right now. I guess he wants to bring out my name. And that's exactly what happened. I think the same thing with the Hatam Sofer, the same story by the Hatam Sofer as well. Until they, were needed, they, they needed to get out and find the Parnassah, we would never have been exposed to their Torah knowledge and to their Sefarim and everything else. So therefore, sometimes a person was sitting down and learning and sometimes Hashem has to pull him out. So he makes a little hard for him that he has to go out. And now his greatness comes out within teaching Torah and everything else. So yes, what pushed him to go get the 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 what's it called the position or to become the rabbi or to write the sefarim is because he needs the panasa but it's but even if you want to say that still at the end of the day it's called a mitzvah he's still certainly called doing a mitzvah and if our we thought otherwise we have to know that is a mitzvah now this is 
Very, very rare, I'll tell you. The truth is that a guy who's been learning for a while and he wasn't going to Hanuk, he wasn't going to teach. I know a lot of people talking, they say, ah, he's just doing it for the money. It's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. You know, if, if the guy is going out because he wants to teach, yes, it, it, of course, it's a panasah. He needs to support his family. But almost all the rabbis are involved in Hanuk are involved because they want to teach. It's not an easy thing to sit there with a classroom of, of uh, youngsters, whether it's elementary school and even more so high school, and to really get, you know, I mean, as one rabbi, one, one person told me, he's in the Hakam, he's sitting, he was so excited to come to teach, he wants to teach kids and he wants them to take the grow. He says, whoa. You know, your, your whole gava, you think, you know, you're going to go and conquer the world and you're going to create Talmidim. Psh, you know, they make you feel like, like zero. You know, you sit there, you have to babysit and you have to put up with their whining and they're all different things. It's a, and obviously the guy who's doing it, trust me, he's doing it. And yes, it comes with the Parnasa and he wouldn't, you know, maybe he would not have gotten into it if it wasn't for Parnasa. But that's still called, that's, it's not any worse from dual Kavanah, which Abu Halakha says, he's called Osseik Mimzah, he's Patum Mitzvah. Even more so that he's involved in becoming a Rebbe. So therefore, we want to give, at this moment, a big Hazak Baruch, a big, you know, thank you to all the Rebbeim that really put up with all the headaches that the children, our kids do to them. And Hashem should bless you, should give you strength to continue doing what you're doing, because really, without you guys, where, where would our children go? Where would our children be? You know, most of us uh, in we, the society we live in, we don't have the time to sit there and raise our kids all the way because we're also busy with our own th- stuff and trying to provide panasah. So we want to think, thank all the Rebbeim, all the Tamirah Hakamim, all the people involved in Hinuch, and really all the people involved in the Avodah of, of, uh, of what's it called, of mitzvot, whether you're the Muhalim or whether you're the people who are Sofrim, and all the Melechet Shamaim as Manan brings down. All of these, you are called Oseg ben Mitzvah, and whether you can be patu from Mitzvah or not, it's Mahloki, but you certainly, like the Ktav Sofer says, you're certainly doing a Mitzvah, and now that brings us now to the next point. Okay, now somebody might argue and say, one second, but is this something that should be done? Why? Because Hazal speak very harshly against a person who does things Shalolishma. Let's quote you a few things. Let's bring the Gemara Masechet. But before we bring the Gemara, I want to first define what is Lishma so she'll know what's called Shalom Lishma. Yeah, that's good. Okay, let's begin with the Gemara, with the, excuse me, the Rambam. The Rambam in his Al-Khot Teshubah, in Perek Yud, he defines for us what is called Lishma. In order to understand Shalom Lishma, you have to see what Shalom Lishma, and we'll see what that is. He says, Kol ha'osek b'torah kedeh lekabeh sakhar o kedeh shelo tagiyah ala poranut, harezeh ha'osek Shalom Lishma. Whoever is involved in Torah, in order that he should get reward. Now, reward of him doesn't mean money. Reward of him means that he wants to get reward in Olam Haba. Or that he shouldn't get punished in Olam Haba. As we know, the Gemara tells us in Sotah that a person who studies Torah protects him. He says, this is called Osek Shalolashim Shamayim. A person who's involved in Torah, not because he's scared of something bad that might happen, Hashem might zap him, he might mess up his mazal. Not to get reward in Gan Eden. You know why he studies Torah, you know why he's involved in Torah? Because that's what Hashem commanded us, that's what Hashem wants. That's called Balishma. So it comes out, what's called Lashem Shamayim, where people say, I'm Lashem Shamayim, Lashem Shamayim, Lashem Shamayim, you're doing it purely because that's what Hashem wants you to do. That is the definition of Lashem Shamayim. 
and what's called if you want to get reward or if you want to get uh, you're scared that you know you might get punished if you don't do it that's called now there's a few contradicting statements in the Gemara and in the Zohar regarding a person who should who's doing I'm going to give you quite a few of them Number one is, it says in the Gemara Masech Berachot, Kol ha'oseh shelo lishma, noach lo shelo nebra. Whoever does mezvot shelo lishem shamayim, it's better that he wasn't created. Whoa. Whoa. Right? That's, <laughs> if I'm doing it because I want to get reward in Olam Ba'i, tell me it's better that I'm not created. Another one, Gemara Masech Ta'anit, regarding a person's ha'oseh batorah shelo lishma. It says like this, ha'oseh batorah shelo lishma, torato na'asit lo sam ha'mavit. His Torah becomes a poison to him. We know the Torah is Samahayim Vesamtim Edebraeli. It says the Gemara Samtam. It's a refuah that heals. No. It says over here, if you're Shalolishma, it's Samhamavit. Nobody should shut off the class of Botai. Keep listening. There's still much more to talk about. Now, there's one more I want to quote the Zohar. The Zohar in Bereshit, Kufmun Membet, says like this. Whoever is involved in the Torah and is not getting involved in the Torah, better that he was not created. Which is basically exactly the same words of the Gemara. So what's going on? It sounds like it's terrible. Yet you open up the Gemara in a few places in Shas, Nazir, Sota, Pesachim. And the, and the Rambam that we just quoted above says the same words. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Le'olam ya'asok adam batorah ve'afilu shelo l'shma shemitoch shelo l'shma ba'l'shma. Here the Gemara says in Mefurash. And the Rambam, the Rambam himself brings us to the halakha. He says that a person, Le'olam, should always be osik in the Torah even shelo l'shma. Even when your intentions are not l'shem shamayim. Why? Because we know that when you're involved in l'shem shamayim, you eventually reach l'shem shamayim. What are you talking about? The Gemara says it's not like that. The Gemara says other places that it says that it's better that he's not created, it becomes samamavit, the Zohar. So what's going on over here? In l'shem shamayim, we all know that's the best. If you can do something because you love God, that's fine. But here, in one hand, Hazal tells us that it's terrible. Lol l'shma is terrible. Sama mavid, better than you're not created. But on another hand, Hazal telling us, no, the opposite. Don't worry, do it. Not just don't worry, you should do it, because from shalol you come l'shma. So here, Botai, very important to listen to the following. There is a mahalokit rishonim, in describing the lo lishma over here. Basically, there are two types of lo lishma. There's a type of lo lishma that Hazal tell us that this is a good lo lishma. This lo lishma is a step to lead you to do something in Lashem Shamaim. And there's another type of lo lishma where Hazal tell you this will get you nowhere. This will give you samamavit. So let's talk about which ones that everybody agrees on. The one where a person is doing a mitzvah in order to get reward in Olam Haba or to be protected in this world that he shouldn't get anything, nothing bad should come to him. You know, it's a good segula for this. Obviously, not doing it because Hashem commanded you, doing it to protect yourself or to protect your family. Everybody agrees this is the good Shalolishma. Although it's Lolishma, it's not the highest level, but this is called. This is the Lolishma that Shemitok Shalolishma Balishma. 
And therefore, I want to continue on these words. The Rambam writes, When we begin teaching anybody or people who have a harder time to understand doing things purely for the right intentions, we always begin teaching them in order to get reward. We give candies to the kids, and we tell you there's a segula over here, and it's great for you, and it's very beneficial for you. It's not the real level, but it's shalom l'shma. We hope from shalom l'shma you'll come, l'shma, you'll come to actually get a love with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, the third, there's another level, shalom l'shma, that everybody agrees over here is bad. This is the one that Hazal say, it's Sam Hamavit. What is that? Hazal say, a person who's learning Torah, lekanter haberav verabotav. He's doing it in order to, you know what lekanter means? To knock, to argue, to disagree. Just to disagree with other people who learn Torah or with his rabbis. He wants to show that you're wrong. He's not doing it because he wants to know what Hashem wants. He just wants to show, to show that everybody else is wrong. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you ever come across such people. Unfortunately, we, we, we see such people where their whole learning is just to show that they know more to knock. On that, they're not doing it L'Shem Shamaim. But that that's a worse. If your whole learning, you're just learning to show that the other guy is wrong. You come to a class where given by some rabbi that you don't like. And you prepare the material just to show that that rabbi is wrong. Or just to show your friends that they're wrong. They don't understand the Torah. That's Shalom Lishma, the Hazal say, Nasit lo It becomes poisonous. It's not a beneficial Torah. You're just doing Tanakh. That everybody also agrees on. But there is another level of Shalom Lishma, where we have not mentioned. And this, some, this is a mahluk between Tosafot and the Ritva. And some want to say that even the Rambam holds this way, but it's debatable what the Rambam also holds. And that is a person who's learning Torah in order to make money or to receive honor. That's a Hazaz say, Halomed Kedeshi Krulo Rabbi O Bishbil HaKabod. A person's learning, he wants to be called, yeah, he wants to be given Kavod. O Bishbil Oshav Kabod. He's doing it in order to make money. So, this, according to the Tosafot, this is a good Shalom It's fine. Don't worry from Shalom you'll come to Lishma. The Ridva disagrees. He says, no, this is the one that Hazar said, Samamavit. And someone said, the Rambam also holds like a Ridva, but the Hidah says, no, it's like Tosafot. In any case, it's debatable the Rambam holds, but this is a debatable level. If the guy is doing it, Lolishma, just to make money. But it's, again, it's only to make money. It's only for Oshir, it's only for Chabod. This is where it's a Mahloket between the Tosafot. And the Ritva. Now, based on that, we come back to our question again. I see we're running a little bit very much on time. There's still more to say. I'll try to summarize very quickly. If a person is coming to, to choose a profession in the spiritual field, he wants to become a Rebbe, right? And he's doing purely, purely just to make money. He has no intention that people should grow in Torah and everything else. He doesn't care that people should be no more Torah. He wants to just make money. Again, hard, personally, I don't... Th- I haven't really met a person that, like that. Hard to find such a person, but let's say you find such a person, then, you're, then you have a basic mahlokit. According to Tosafot, it's called Shalom Lishma, Shalom Lishma, Bal Lishma. According to Ridva, no, that's, that's, a, that's a terrible, no, that's, that's the one that's Samham uh, Mavit. So it's debatable in this area. But, Rabotai, is very important. I don't have time to read it right now, but look in Nefesh HaHayim, uh, right after Peregimel, there's something called Perakim. In Shar Gimel, 
you have to read it over there. After over there in Peregimel, I mean Shar Gimel Peregimel, you read it over there. It's unbelievable. Where he basically discusses and he says, a guy who's osek shalosma has a whole different definition of osek shalosma. He says shemitok shalosma balishma. Even if you kavanah shalosma, right, it will eventually you'll be you'll become lishma. Even if you go in completely eventually you'll come to Lashem Shamaim. And when you reach a level of Lashem Shamaim, all the Torah that you learn will be purified and will become, it will turn you to good. So therefore, yes, learn Torah even because you will come to Lashem Hakam Abadiyah also has a tshuva in Yehavedat and Helegimel. Doesn't want to look it up. Naindalit also. Person wants to write a book in order to get a Nobel Prize, in order to make money from, from the book. Could he do that? And he comes out also the same idea. That yes, even though he wants to say he's doing it to make money, but he is he brings all the a lot of the stuff that we brought above. And we come back again to the person, a person who is becoming a rabbi. He has expenses, and now he wants to get a job and he wants to get something to get paid. There's nothing wrong with it. There's yes, it's not the highest level, but about we have to encourage those. We have to encourage those who are sitting and learning. These are the future of Klal Israel. We have to support them and not knock them. And sometimes you see somebody who's all, you know, low lishma, or what you think is low lishma. Do you know what low lishma is according to Halakha? Yes, he's doing it maybe to make money. Well, why, why are you knocking the person? with Somebody, there's a lot of shit taught that way. And not only that, especially if you can tell me if the person, he's doing it because of, you know, he's not there on that level. Well done, he's still young. He'll get there. Don't be so harsh on, especially the Abrechim are learning Kolel. They'll get there, Barzat Hashem. They'll come eventually to the point of Lishma. We have a guarantee if they are sick, but Torah, even so Lishma, Barzat Hashem, they'll reach the level of Lishma. And certainly, the rabbis who are providing and teaching all these things, and just, there's nothing wrong with getting a salary, there's nothing wrong with them getting paid. They're doing a service like anybody else. And of course, there's a, it's a big mitzvah to support them and, and to give them. Why all of a sudden when it comes to a rabbi doing a service, it's for free? Does anybody uh, think of hiring a doctor and not paying him? He's doing a service. Oh, he's saving my life. It should be doing the same shemaim. Yeah, it's a mitzvah also, but of course you pay him. Well, so we have the rabbis who are educating us, educating our children, and uh, they're, they're healing our souls, as the Rambam calls them, Rafeh nefesh. Of course. Of course they should be paid much more. And therefore... We we hope that our class was a little bit beneficial. There's more to talk about. We're not going to be able to discuss it next week. Uh, I would like if you could call back and uh, we'll hear some feedback or text 347-927-8398. I don't know if today's class will be aired on tonight. I'm not sure if it was recorded or not. But we'd love to hear some feedback. Either call us 683-718-683-5858 or text us at 347-927-8398. We'll see you next week with the Alchot of Yom Tov. Till then, we want to say thank you to Iran of Nisim, Root, and for all everybody who's listening to us, we'll have a wonderful week and a Shabbat Shalom.